Where do we start this? And the answer doesn't matter. Help. We're having a good time. Right. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get in here. You need sales balls to make sales calls. Sure. I'm tweeting that puppy. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. We're your hosts, Jeffrey and Jen Gittimer. I'm the author of The Little Red Book of Selling and 15 other best-selling books and the creator of the seven-figure sales formula program. I grew up in Philadelphia, sold in New York City, but was smart enough to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the author of Sales in the New York Minute and creator of Breakthrough Business Babe Community. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with our dogs and consider them humans. If you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sell or Die is for sales professionals, salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to sell more at full price, earn loyalty, and have an unlimited stream of referrals. Every single episode is going to give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can get your calls returned, your proposals read and acted on, all while creating relationships that you can take all the way to the bank. It's time to sell or die. And we're back with an amazing episode. I am so excited for this one. Are you, Jeffrey? Uh, sure. But I'll I thought tell you, you were going to say this... no. <laughs> oh, I know. I was going to say this, this particular episode requires a little bit of painful listening if you're a diehard and you're in sales and the customer says no to you, and now you have to go through a process to get it to yes. You have to have the fortitude, you have to have the, the drive, the belief system, the whole nine yards in order to be able to follow up, follow through and get to yes. Well, here's what the do thing. You do? Here's the thing. Nine, let's just like frame this for everyone. 97% of sales are not made on the first sales call. They're just not. And 97% of all statistics have some flaw. So this might be 96%. <laughs> but the truth is that most people are not making the sale on the first sales call. They're either doing something before to prime the prospect or doing something after to follow up with the prospect or both. But what happens is salesperson or entrepreneur goes in, meet with the potential client, and the client says, no, or not right now. And then they're like, okay, game over, game over. I'm done. Game over. Yeah. And Or they say, send me a proposal or some, you know, blocking, stalling thing. Right. And I, I have to talk which, which, over with my goldfish and my partner. <laughs> my goldfish and my partner. Something that indicates that they haven't understood your value. Or your products. Right. So before we go into the strategies, you, the diehard, have to take responsibility for the fact that the person said, not yet. The customer has not perceived the value of you is greater than the price you're asking. No, in my That's, mastermind this weekend, you did a great talk for the ladies. And one of the girls asked something along the lines of, What happens when the wife says, when the when my customer, who's usually a mom, wife, you know that kind of thing, says, "I need to talk to my husband," 
and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. And you had a great response. Right. Men decide nothing. So what she's saying to you is no in the politest way possible. And didn't need to talk over anything with her husband. Women are way more, are way more decisive than men. And she's already got it in her head that this is a no for her, but she's being polite and kind by saying, I have to talk this over with my husband. And I can tell you, my husband doesn't want to do this. Right. She'll because then it's the putting husband. the blame on someone else. Then it, you don't have to be the fall guy for saying no. Right. It makes it easier right. on the client. Right. That's why they have committee meetings in businesses. They can all decide in the committee. And that's not the, the, the committee is empowered to say no, but usually not fully empowered to say yes. So anytime there's a committee and we get a consensus, that's the biggest hunk of bullshit on the planet. <laughs> and it's, it's no different. It's no different in anything that you do as a diehard to try to convince the other person that you're the best option, you're the most valuable option, and you're going to be there to serve them once they say yes. That's the whole deal. Um, I think that there's a uh, a misunderstanding among salespeople that, you know, when, when they're in the middle of that sale, they need to, instead of just following up to give the customer what they are asking for and to do their bidding, you better understand the real reasons behind why this sale is going to take place or not and what you really have to do in order to be able to get the yes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, what needs to happen and what that follow-up really entails. And I know often you refer to follow-up as actually follow-through, which for me is so interesting because in tennis, you don't follow up with the ball but you follow through as you're hitting the ball. And if you follow through all the way, then usually, you know, you're having a great stroke and placing the Mm -hmm. ball exactly where it's supposed to go on the other side of the court. And so the, the, the analogy for me of following through is so deep um, because of tennis that I always think about like swinging all the way through. (laughs) But you have to look at it from the perspective of, If you're trying to follow up or follow through and you don't understand the foundational elements of what's happening, you're not going to be able to do it well. If you don't understand the reason, the buying motive of your prospect, if you don't understand why you might get rejected, then there's no sense in you doing anything. So you have to self-evaluate first to make sure you have these tools you know, do you know their hot buttons? Do you, do you have all the information? Did you give them the information that they felt they needed? So evaluate yourself and then it's time to follow through. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really good. And a lot of times people don't follow through because they feel like they have, like they're going to be annoying by continuing to email or call or text and ask for that sale. It's because they don't believe deeply enough in what they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you knew knew someone who had cancer and you also had the cure to cancer and they were like, like, and you knew in your heart, it was the cure. It would keep them alive. Would you give up or would you keep asking them, Hey, I got this thing. I know it can help you. Let 
Like, let's try. There's no bad side effects. There's no, you would, you would keep going for it. If your belief was deep. That's true. But to some people, for example, if they're selling you a thousand dollar freezer at Lowe's, they don't really care. So the first thing you have to do is just. If you're a diehard listening, we know you care. If you're a diehard listening and you don't care, you're not a diehard. Right. That's true. So let's say that you're in life insurance or accounting services or you're selling some kind of product that you really deeply believe in. You have to tell the customer that in the first meeting. They have to feel that. Your enthusiasm, your preparedness, that's going to shine through one way or the other, but you have to know why they want to buy or it is not time for you to follow through yet. I was doing this exercise yesterday in a, in a group I'm in, and it was really interesting. We were given a scenario and like, so I was given a scenario and the other person who had to sell me had no idea what my situation was. Okay. So my situation was I needed, and this is the situation I received. You ready? I needed an exotic luxury um, cage for my parrots. Most are not tall enough, don't have automatic watering systems. I needed mine to have that. And she had to uncover through asking really good questions what I needed. We got on this fake call in front of a whole group of people and she had no idea what I needed and had to build rapport and ask and under and, and uncover. And at first she thought I just wanted my parrots to be safe. But then as time went on, she realized it was more about living this life of luxury and, and all that. Right. And I say all this because she, by not knowing what I needed, she didn't make any assumptions about what I needed. Okay. In this scenario, I needed a a birdcage, but what if I needed a pool? What if I needed life insurance? What if I needed um, a new house? When the, when you know what your customer needs, you often make big assumptions about why they need it or what it's going to do for them. And And there's also the element, Jen, and don't, you can't forget this, that when you're in situations like that, you tend to be matter of fact and sometimes emotional, but never humorous. Mm. And there's also the similar situation that pops up where did you ever have a bird? I didn't know. <laughs> we had a bird growing up and and <laughs> the girls used to take it out of the cage and one day the dog ate the bird. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, um, that didn't come up on this fake practice phone call. But, but what I'm saying is when you know your clients and you continue to get similar clients, you begin to make assumptions about what it is they truly need. And each client is going to have a little bit of a different emotional reason for their buy. And each client is going to have that emotional reason in their words. And so when you sum it up into what you're always hearing, it doesn't hit home as well as if you are a good listener and really uncover what they need in their words so that That's what you're following up about. That's what you're going after is getting them that outcome that they've stated. So I would ask that person, 
when did you find out? What was the day or the the time period in your life where you knew you loved a parrot? <laughs> when did that occur? Did you see it in a movie or did you actually have the bird? Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the you know that's the whole deal. If I can uncover that, then I can say, well, what do you want for what's the, what's the fantasy that you have for this parrot to make? the bird feel like, you know, squawking every single day that you're the greatest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that way immediately hit their heart. Right. Immediately. I'm in the emotion of it. Not, well, do you have a budget for this? <laughs> like, seriously, what are you asking me that for? Die hard. Oh, sorry, Jeffrey. No. Do you see how stupid that question is? Oh Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is, Diard, ask yourself right now, how good are you on a scale of one to five at uncovering the emotional why, the emotional reason every single time? Because that'll get you the faster sale every time. Yeah. You just play on the fact that, they, that you know, whatever they need to love the bird or love the dog or love the cat, people... Leave dogs money in their will. I have a will for my dogs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I need to make sure they're taken care of. They're like my children. Come on. <laughs> right, of course. <gasps> Wait, everyone doesn't? Well, I don't think so, no. Oh. That's why, that's why rescues exist. Oh, I gotcha. So, but um, you, you, the diehard, have to rescue yourself from the customer because they're going to go find it. The only question is, are they going to buy it from you? Once you're in that buying mode, you better you better hone in on what's the most valuable or perceived valuable thing to them to keep them interested and eventually to say yes to you. So you came up with a list of lead in lines because a lot of times yeah. salespeople feel, you know, or entrepreneurs feel uneasy about starting that follow-up conversation. And you came up with these great starter lines that anyone could use to follow up after they've had the conversation. Can you share them? Sure. One of them is it's pretty interesting. You call somebody up on the phone and say, look, and you say, Bob, I discovered something. I found something that I believe to be an important factor in your decision to buy this. Okay. Now I'm all here. Do you have a pen? Do you, would you mind taking notes? And then you say, I just emailed you a note from a customer who had an experience just like yours. Whoa, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, or a video. Yep. With a bird on your shoulder. <laughs> Correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can you can use lines that make you smile. Like Polly, you know, Polly wants a cracker. Yeah. Um, so Polly wants a new cage. Polly wants temperature controlled room. Polly wants a watering bin that comes in automatically. I mean, there's all <laughs> there's things you can do to make it interesting. Yeah. Are you giving Polly what she wants or are you just being a cheap bastard? <laughs> yeah. So but I've always found like I think about my customers and I think about what their needs are. And when I, I found that when I call them on the phone or I, I, 
and I say something like, hey, I was thinking about you, that's an emotional tied line. I was thinking about you and whatever you say after that can lead you to a sale almost immediately. Well, Jeffrey, they take your call or your text or your email or whatever because you've done something up front that many people fail to do. You established a rapport that goes beyond surface level, how's the weather kind of rapport. You've established deep, meaningful rapport that you're thinking and believing, because it usually does, will lead to a long-term relationship. And if you think about it, like I, I got the information you need to, I've attached a quote. No, Polly wants a new cage. That's what you say. You find <laughs> out the bird's damn name and you go, Polly wants a new cage. And the good news is you can afford it. Right. Right. And then, and then you attach the, the formal quote without saying I've attached the quote, like no shit. You've attached the quote. That's just the dumbest thing you can say. There's no formal in sales. It's all informal. Yeah, there's people who think it's formal, but that doesn't win. That doesn't get no. to the heart or the emotion. No. That's Professional not does not win. Friendly wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where's the value? Where's the friendliness? Where's the humor? And then there's the sale. Boom. I can't boom it any more than that, Jen. If I boom it any more than that, we've gone past our time. All right. Well, here's to your persistence, diehard. Until next time, I'm Jen Gittimer. And I'm Jeffrey Gittimer. And Polly wants you to become a loyal diehard and check in with us every single week. Go make a sale. Thank you so much for listening to Sell or Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales and business challenges that you face every day so you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See See you you next week. week.